Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we talk Grand Canyon basketball. Paul Coro is giving us all the inside details on the two new head coaches for the Lopes. Yeah, Bryce Drew and Molly Miller both hired during the offseason, and they should have big impacts on those programs. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Hill. What's up, everybody? Rachel Hill, Eric Danner in the WAC Digital Network studios. Hope everybody is doing well. Today on the podcast, we're talking GCU basketball. It is havoc time. It's GCU Lopes. They can't wait to get started. We talked to Paul Coro, the senior writer for GCULopes.com. This guy, he's done it all, Rachel. He's been a national correspondent for the Los Angeles Times, worked for the Arizona Republic, covered uh, the NBA, and now covers GCU Lopes. And he's also one of their they're broadcasters, so he's a man of many hats. A man of many hats and an insider for sure for the Lopes, giving us all the details on what this year is going to be looking like. We are now joined by Paul Coro, the senior writer for GCULopes.com. Paul, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to see you guys. Uh, nice to be talking about some athletics coming up. Yeah, we are certainly, uh, you know, we can't believe it's it's just around the corner after waiting, uh, what, about seven months for any action here. But uh First off, Paul, a lot of changes at GCU with their basketball programs the past year since we last uh, saw the Lopes out on the court. They have a brand new head men's basketball coach, Bryce Drew, a name a lot of college basketball fans are probably pretty familiar with. You're there at uh, GCU. What kind of impact has uh, Coach Drew had on the team already? Yeah, the impact's already happened. He brought in an extremely experienced staff, first of all, who had been at Illinois, Indiana, Vandy, and then they quickly landed recruits, even amid a pandemic when you don't have the luxury of seeing all this sort of stuff on campus. And then they got to work on the court and uh, they've established a culture that embodies his principles on and off the court. And you can already see the the defensive emphasis that even him as a player who was known for his offense brings as a coach and the way practices move quickly with high energy, and he's done a great job, and the staff's done a great job of bonding returners with newcomers and already creating that team atmosphere. Lope fans sure love their basketball. What's the atmosphere around campus with the new head coach? Yeah, there was a lot of excitement about the hire and uh, always is about the season, but I think, uh, I think the, uh, the pandemic maybe has made everybody a little bit more anxious <laughs> to see some sort of sports. Um, the whole athletic department's been – uh, finding ways to be creative, to be competitive internally and, and keep things going. But um, I think people feel like this basketball team has a, a an ability, even amid a transition, to be competitive immediately in the WAC. Now, Coach Drew um, most recently was at Vanderbilt, and he led the Commodores to the NCAA tournament. Valpo, where he's a, a legend, he's been to a couple of NCAA tournaments as a coach and, of course, famously as a player. And I got to imagine that's where the uh, bar is set at GCU as far as where they want the coach Drew to take them. Yeah, absolutely. The goal here is always to find their way to the NCAA tournament. They believe that they have the, the, the type of resources, staffing uh, to make that happen. It's a young history in Division I, but they've been uh, quickly successful. And, uh, you know, between the, the talent that is returning to the team and the way they've immediately infused some new talent because of uh, Bryce Drew's uh, recruiting repertoire. Uh, they feel like there's an ability to 
stay at the top and even rise higher in a hurry. You mentioned some of the returning players, Alessandra Laver, Javon Blackshear, two names that will be coming back. Who are you expecting to make a huge impact on the court this season? Boy, it's hard to pick out all those guys returning. I mean, you got an all-whack first-teamer in Laver, the whack freshman of the year in Blackshear, uh, an all-whack defensive team forward player, Freyer. Uh, Dixon, you know, he came in midseason last year, and if he had had enough attempts, uh, he would have ranked in the top 15 nationally as a three-point shooter. So that's a lot of returning talent. And then you bring in uh, some guys on top of them, and it gives an argument for each of those players to get better this year. You mentioned Oscar Freire. This is a guy who started three years for GCU, did not play last year, and he came back. So I got to imagine that was one of Coach Drew's uh, first uh, recruiting wars that he won was, was getting Oscar back in the fold. Yeah, it wasn't hard. You know, Oscar Freire wants to play. He wants to end his career right. Uh, he's one of the most popular players because of his high-flying dunks and the things he can do out there. But he's also shown, you know, that he had uh, uh, improvement as a shooter uh, in his three seasons. Uh, he became an all-defensive team player, like I said, because he's so long and so fast and such a great leaper. Um, and that's a position on the wing where he can still make a huge impact. What about new players? Who can Lope fans expect to see? Well, uh, one of the new faces is Asbjorn Mickgaard. He's a seven-foot transfer from Wichita State. Not just seven-foot, but 270. So he's – and it's there's no flab on this guy. He's he's built like Thor. His name sounds like he's from, from Asgard, and he, he's built <laughs> – this, this team needed an infusion of size. And uh, it'll do a world of good for Alessandro Labor, too, because it puts him in a more natural situation as the stretch power forward. And Asbjorn gives the team a post presence. He's just a big body to be a, a paint protector, a rim protector, a great screener. And he's come from a winning program at Wichita State where he, uh, he has a lot of things that he can bring to the program as one of the, the vocal leaders already here. And he's excited about here because he's going to be allowed to do more. He's a lot more skilled than you'd think when you look at a 7-foot, 270-pounder. He's a real nice passer, got a nice touch, and he's been a great addition. We're talking with Paul Coro at GCU. And, Paul, uh, as you mentioned, that kind of opened things up for Alessandro Labor, who really is a, more of a, a stretch four type than, than a five necessarily. And we've been doing these podcasts uh, previewing each WAC team. And there, there are some teams that have uh, some size coming back. And sounds like GCU might have a pair of, I guess, uh, Alessandro's at 6'11". We, we might be able to call him a seven-footer if he, he stands on a book. But uh, two seven-footers, that's, that's not common for the WAC. But the way it's sounding this year, the, the league might have a little more size than normal. Right. And, uh, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, Alessandro Labor was playing alongside Michael Finke. And that was a big front line. They were two 6'10 guys. But they had a lot of the same skills. They were same a little – and this is a little bit more of a complement uh, each other where Labor can move out to the perimeter and do more things out there where Mick Gard can be on the post. And then you also have uh, a guy coming off the bench in Gabe McLaughlin, uh, who sat out last season after transferring here. He's a Phoenix area guy, and he's still got three years remaining to play at GCU. And he's more of a, a dynamic power forward because he brings a different element with some bounce. He rebounds really well. So they can mix up that look in the front court with the three of them. Um, and uh, McLaughlin's a guy who's really excited to be at GCU, not just because he's from Phoenix, but because his mom works at GCU. Family ties there. Yeah. Mom's a lope too. Paul, before we started recording, you were actually in the arena and there were a few players that were shooting around. 
what are the testing protocols looking like for the student athletes to get back out on the court? Yeah, the, the university has been uh, one of the most careful ones. They push back the start of the school year. Uh, and then they push back this uh, when they students first came to campus, they did online classes initially only and have progressed into some hybrid things. So uh, there's been a lot of care. And then especially among the student athletes, uh, they're being tested. Uh, they're being uh, the staff is being vigilant about uh, where they where they interact, wearing masks, uh, just behavior wise. And, and the good thing is the student athletes have bought into it. And there's uh, been next to next to no problems very few and uh hopefully that progresses because it's it's uh voting well for what can be done in the in the fall now they just want to play they do and paul the uh schedule i, I know everybody's kind of scrambling to get that put together when we talked to jamie boggs a few weeks ago the interim uh, vice president for athletics uh, she mentioned you know they were looking forward to that hosting san diego state who you know looked like a potential final four team last year but uh, with uh, the cutting short of the season. Wasn't sure if uh, that uh, was going to happen. Any idea on what the start date might look like for GCU uh, men's basketball and any idea what teams uh, they might be playing in the, in the non-conference? Yeah, you'll know when I know on that <laughs> one. There's, there's so much in flux and, and the administration is working daily on putting that together. You know, you hear all the time about tournaments changing courses or teams uh, switching. There could be site venues that are changing. Uh, you know, the Pac-12 was not going to play at one point and GCU had an ASU game scheduled for December. So that could come back in, into play. That San Diego State game, unfortunately, was in November before the new NCAA start date. Uh, so that might be hard to get back. But, um, you know, they're quickly assembling a schedule because, you know, even during a pandemic, you want to have some portion of that familiar Havocs atmosphere back in GCU arena. Paul, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back on the WAC podcast, we're going to talk women's suits. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. Once again, we are joined by Paul Coro, the senior writer for GCULoops.com. Women's basketball, now the topic, Paul. And uh, again, uh, GCU going through a coaching change this past offseason, and they bring in Molly Miller, a very successful Division II coach. Tell us a little bit about what Coach Miller means to the program. Yeah, successful is an understatement. You know, she comes in with the highest winning percentage of any coach in any level of NCAA basketball, men's or women's. She's 180 and 17 at Drury before she comes here. So she is used to winning and, and isn't ready to take a step back from that here. And she brings a ton of energy into the program and a, and a totally uh, different style than you see uh, just about anywhere else because she wants to press full court all game and put a lot of pressure on teams and create offense out of that. And that's why she's had uh, the highest scoring teams in Division II year after year. And they've, they only lost one game over the past two seasons. They were undefeated last season when the national tournament was canceled. So she's proven that her system can win, and she's brought a lot of people that are familiar with it to join her here at GCU. I'm so glad you bring on that uh, topic of that she wanted to do the full press. We had her on Whack All Access uh, at the beginning of the mm -hmm. pandemic, I would say, and she talked about how important defense was to her. Have you seen the players really buy into that? Yeah, you know, I remember being at the at the first practice she had with them, and there was a, just a different energy uh, with the way they, you know, they'd even 
hardly touch a ball in the beginning because they were working on all their even things down to the defensive stance and uh, the way they move their feet and the full court press setup and uh, then they get to the ball later on because that'll offense will come out of what they do defensively and everybody gets to gets empowered a little bit more in her system they can all do different things they can all run the floor they can all handle the ball and she recruits those type of players too that are able to move seamlessly from position to position. Well, the last time uh, we saw a sporting event in the WAC, uh, GCU was about to tip off with CSU Bakersfield, and that game was postponed. Uh, this was right as the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive, and Tom Hanks tested positive, uh, a night I'm sure we'll never forget. Uh, but from that team, Paul, uh, there's uh, about three or four players that were starters on that team returning this year. So Coach Miller does have some experience to go with if she chooses to do that. Right, yeah. There's a lot of people that were sitting in that locker room that day at Orleans Arena ready to go out and play a whack tournament game after having sort of a surprise season where they were uh, picked low in the conference and wound up second. So uh, those players have a lot of motivation to to build on what they did last year. You have players like Laura Piera and Carla Blage, who are both from Spain now entering their third years at GCU, Ven Laveris, who became a really good shooter. Uh, Tavia Rowell had a big impact as a freshman. Uh, and now uh, Tiana Brown returns. And now she's joined by her sister, Tiara Brown, uh, mm -hmm. who is a freshman on the team. Uh, and that's, a, that's kind of a cool thing to see the sister act. What about newcomers for this Lopes team? Who can you expect to be another big impact? Yeah, she brought in a lot of them. Uh, Nadeja Jackson, who you'll probably here refer mostly to as Nana Jackson. That's her name around here. She's a grad transfer. And uh, she comes in with a lot of experience as a player, uh, gets to move back to the West after playing uh, back East at Youngstown. And uh, she'll bring in some leadership at the guard spot. Uh, I already mentioned uh, Tierra Brown joining her sister, Tiana. Uh, Katie Scott, who was the Gatorade player of the year in Missouri and had committed to Molly uh, at Drury. Uh, had changed her plans and came here sight unseen because she believed so much in Miller and they had a long-standing relationship from the great career she had uh, at a school near near Drury there and so she brings in a, a great post presence to the team uh, but they they're going to be deep and the way the way Molly Miller coaches everybody's going to get a chance into the action because uh, you know even players like that uh, had been out Taylor Caldwell is another returning player who had to sit out last year because of a knee surgery now she gets to return um, so it'll be a deep squad it'll be a squad that's always running and, and they'll always get their chances talking with Paul Coro and Paul one of the players uh, she brought in as well as uh, somebody who was at Kansas on a track scholarship for the past four years but was one of the the top high school players in Nebraska uh, back in 2016 so kind of kind of a good mix of players there doesn't she yeah that's a fun story Chloe Akinotiko uh, has been a, a sprinter, a 400 runner at KU for the past four years. Uh, she'd been going to Allen Fieldhouse over the year, watching basketball games, kind of having that pang in her stomach about, ooh, did I, you know, like I missed out on college basketball because she was such a great player in the Omaha area. And uh, so she she wasn't even really thinking about a uh, using her fifth year as a, for basketball when uh, Miller and her staff reached out to her but here's an athlete with a great basketball background 
and uh, she was going to go to med school <laughs> and take a gap year before med school. So what a great year <laughs> to way to spend your year instead of a gap year before med school than to come live out your dream as a basketball player. What a unique story. Yeah. Wow. We like to see that. Can't wait to see her get it back on the court as well. And Paul, Kansas City, CSU, Bakersfield, both leaving the WAC, Dixie State and Tarleton coming in. Where do you see the lopes in the standings this year? You know, I, I find women's, uh, WAC women's basketball to be uh, always pretty balanced. You know, you see teams shift around and come tournament time, there's upsets. There's a lot of teams that are close to each other. Um, I think GCU can fit right into the picture. They're going to be difficult to deal with because of style, especially since a lot of these teams will be seeing it for the first time. And it'll be hard uh, for a lot of teams to handle initially uh, and maybe long term, uh, <laughs> especially once uh, she really gets her feet in here. Um, so I think GCU, based on, you know, finishing second in the conference last year and the influx of talent and the system can, can be right in the mix again. Well, hey, Paul, I want to thank you for taking some time out. Uh, we can't wait to see GCU back out on the court and all WAC basketball back out on the court. And can't wait to read more of your stories on GCULopes.com. All right. Thanks. Great talking to you guys. Great to talk about basketball again. All right. That is Paul Coro. Uh, make sure to join us on Wednesday when we preview California Baptist University basketball. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.